CougarFan.com, Rising Shot Podcast, episode 443. Get all of your BYU sports news at CougarFan.com. Matt, got any other recommendations now that you've got my family hooked on Among Us? You guys play any other games together? Well, there's one that we just started that we got for Christmas. It's not a it's not a phone game, um, but we've got actually a couple that we've had some fun with since Christmas. One of them is called Dabble. Dabble. Yeah, so it's like a Scrabble type of game. I don't know how else to describe it, but you're handed 20 tiles with letters on them, and you have two minutes to build five words of like a two-letter word, three-letter word, four-letter word, five-letter word, six-letter word. Mm. Um, and you get points depending on what the letter is. Uh, we did that tonight, and then we did the "What do you meme" game. I think that everybody has seen. We got the family version because what the non-family version is, whoo, not appropriate. Uh, well, yeah. it's appropriate for somebody, just not me and my kids. <laughs> so we got a game uh, called Azul. It's uh, using tiles. It's like you're building a mosaic, and you have to like build in rows and with these. I don't know, there's five, six different, one, two, three, four, five, five, yeah, five different colors and stuff. It's actually pretty cool. And even the four-year-old was starting to figure it out. Oh, see, I saw that picture, but like he's really figuring it out or? Pretty good. I mean, he, he's, he needs a little help scoring, but he's figured out the concept. The concepts are pretty simple if you know shapes, right? I mean, uh, if you can match, I guess is the better way to put it. Because they're all a square, so maybe I didn't describe it the right way. But yeah, that one's pretty. That one's pretty fun. Um, and did I tell you that we were doing a role playing game with the older kids? Maybe you'd mention that. Yes, yeah, a superhero role playing game called Masks. Um, going back to my geeky D and D and Marvel role playing game days, I've I'm game mastering, and Kathleen and the three oldest girls are are doing that. It's fun. You're such a geek. I am. I'm a massive geek. I'm a geeky guy. So anyway, well, uh, enough about games. Let's talk about other games. Anyway, it's time for the tweet bag. Tweet bag. That didn't work as well as I thought it was going to. I thought it was. No, nah, it was clever. a little. It was a little weak. It was a little weak. Yeah, you're a little weak. Um, mm. Let's start out with some basketball talk. Matt, and a uh, tweet from Sean Ritchie at Dr. Ted 64 He says, is Alex Barcelos a legit All-American candidate? How do you see this men's basketball team stack up against the rest of the WCC outside of Gonzaga? And what are the odds of the women's team making the tournament? Hashtag tweet bag, hashtag climb on in. Uh, let's start with Alex Barcelo as a legit All-American candidate. He's having a great season, and obviously he's hitting three-pointers at a incredible rate uh, so far this season. Matt, do you look at him so far and think, wow, he could be an All-American? Um, yeah, I mean, maybe. Um, you know, you, I, I've tried to do. I've tried to look a little bit and stack him up against, uh, you know, statistically against the rest of the country, and I kind of see where he fits in. Um, I, do I think that you could get him into a conversation? Um, do, get him into that conversation for sure. I, but I, I don't know if he. I don't know if he ends up making the cut at the end of the day. Yeah, I don't. I don't think he makes the cut at the end of the day. I mean, his his overall numbers won't be 
gaudy enough, I don't think. Um, you know, he's at 17, 5, and 5, which is a really good line. His advanced statistics are very solid. He's by far having the best um, the best season of his career, uh, right? And, and obviously his, his time at, uh, at Arizona, he didn't play a ton. So, so this is, you know, a little, little, um, obviously we're really just talking about last year and this year. Um, no, I, I don't think he'll be an all American, but I think he'll be first team all WCC, but don't they do like 10 players or something stupid? Yeah, I think they do. that. Yeah. It's not five players. Because what they're because they're not picking like a one, a two, a three, a four, and a five, right? Like they just so I, the I think ten once, players. I think once they acknowledge that, they're like, yeah, here's just the best ten players in the in the conference or whatever yeah. the number. Is. Yeah, I, I, you know, again, he is the best player on this team. I don't think there's much uh, to be said about that. I mean, um, Harward is having a good year. Averett's having, Harms is looking good. Uh, but he is clearly the best player on this team. But if you look at even versus, say, last year, now granted, um, Yoli Childs was was marred by, by starting the season late and then getting injured a little bit. But if you look at the advanced statistics, I mean, his season doesn't stack up anywhere near Yoli's last year, right? He's right. a couple of uh, steps down from that. And then if you go like a couple years ago, I mean, his this season he's having, and again, could get better, could get worse, is more like Child's season the year before that, right? Or, uh, you know, a little bit better than, say, Tyler TJ Haas was a couple of years ago. So, again, great season. But the, the one thing that may make me wrong is just the gaudy three-point shooting numbers, right? I mean, if he keeps shooting at, what is he at, 63% now? Yeah, on the three point shooting. I mean, that's I don't know if you knew this. It's pretty good. Is that pretty good? Is that that's a pretty good number? Yeah, that's a pretty good number. And he shot. I, I feel mean, good about that. Yeah, he shot at almost fifty percent last year. So this is not like a shocker, right? Uh, that he's he's a, a good shooter. Um, but anyway, no, I don't think he'll be there. Uh, Matt, as far as how they stack him in the WCC, I'm going to punt on that question until next week. And do you want to punt on the women's basketball, or do you want to answer it? Because I have not researched that at all, so I have no opinion. So, you know, I think if you look at most, if, so the question here is, uh, what are the odds of the women's team making the tournament? I, I haven't done, an, I don't know that I have enough data to slap a percentage on that. Um, but the, the the things that the women's basketball team are going to have to work through uh, when you think about their trying to get to the tournament. Are, are, there's a couple of things. One is that the conference is not as solid in women's basketball as they are in men's basketball this year, right? So right. we've had a conversation about the you know WCC could be could send two or three teams uh, to the tournament on the men's side. Uh, right now, the only team that anybody's really talking about as a tournament candidate out of the WCC for women's hoops is Gonzaga. Um, now, do I think that this team is good enough? Like if you look if you look at what they've done so far, you know with the uh, with the loss against Washington, uh, but other than that, I mean, they've looked pretty solid. So, you know, I I, I expect them to run through the conference uh, without a whole lot of problem, other than Gonzaga, and so that could be enough. You know, they get through all that with what three losses? Uh, that could be enough of a resume. Um, let's you know, let's just say that say they don't even split with Gonzaga, they just lose two. That could be enough of a resume to get them in. Uh, but right now, the couple of places I looked at, you know, predicting. 
they don't come up in the they don't come up on the bracket they don't come up as the as the first four out um so they've got a little bit of work in front of them to do yeah so probably got to be gonzaga once right yeah yeah they mean they may need to do that well and then you know or or do something in in uh conference tournament yeah yeah i mean obviously if they can that a thing a thing in 2021 i guess i actually i don't know to be honest i mean you look at they lost to a Washington team that's not that great, and they got beat, uh, and they beat an LSU team who's not that great, right? So that's the other problem is they don't have a signature out-of-conference win like the men's team do with San Diego State. So, all right. Great question, Sean, and we'll uh, I believe Sean makes another appearance later on or two. Uh, this is a question that's both basketball and football. We've, we, we talk about this almost every year. I feel like Justin Sweeney. Sweeney. That was delayed. It was delayed. I I apologize for that. Yeah. I was, I was like, are we on a delay? There was was one more thing for women's hoops. I was looking at, it's nothing I need to mention, but something caught my eye. Sorry. Sorry. I'm back in it. Sorry. He's back in it. He's back in it, folks. He, uh, Justin says, best player to switch sports on each team. I'm going with Barcelo as a slot receiver or Loner as an outside linebacker. From football to basketball, Neil Powell seems like a great athlete in basketball body. A 3 and D guy. Hashtag tweetback. Didn't we just do this? I felt like we did this like a month ago. Am I wrong? Or was that all the way to last season? That was definitely not a month ago. I don't know that we've done it with this roster. I think we did because I thought we talked about Loner being able to be a linebacker or a tight end. Oh, maybe we did. Did we do that on the show, or is that just a conversation you and I had? Yeah, See, sometimes, sometimes that sometimes that blurs together for me. Um, uh, what do you think, Barcelo as a uh, as a slot wide receiver? How tall is Barcelo? Uh, tall enough to be a wide receiver. I haven't pulled, but is he too tall? Is he Remember, too that's tall? always. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. always the problem. When Six we do two. This. No, he's perfect. The... he's okay, perfect. that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Perfect. Yeah. I don't know if he's perfect, but I mean, he's... Six two, 180. The guy moves. He's got great hands. Mm. I don't know if he played high school basketball uh, football though, so I don't know if he's got the experience there. Um, Loner to me is. I mean, he might be too tall, right? That's the problem with Loner. Yeah, he's so only what like is... six six though, right? Six eight. That's pretty Six tall for be, that's yeah. really tall for football. It's going to be too tall. Ah, come on! Wasn't wasn't uh, didn't we have a just have a wide receiver that was six eight? We've had, we've seen six six. I don't know if we've seen six eight. Yeah, that's like, tall. Like Mitch Matthews was six six, right? Yeah, he was. That's who I was thinking of. Yeah, but I think you take. How about I you mean, just you put could, harms and throw it up in the end zone? No, forget this. Let him man. go get it. You're, you're thinking about it all wrong. I think if you take like a Colby Lee, right, or maybe a Richard Harward, you and you get him in the you get him in the weight room and on a different nutrition plan. I think you might have yourself a lineman. Harward is six eleven. He could not play offensive line. Put him on the defensive line. He could not. He will get like no. There's a reason why six eleven guys don't play at the. Okay, what about level. Colby Lee at six nine? Say you put like you thirty pounds on him, six nine two seventy. You yeah, put yeah. him on the defensive line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He'd be tough. He'd be tough. Connor Harding's another guy that I think if you bulked him up, he could play like defensive yeah. end or something. Well, you'd have to put. He'd have to put a lot of weight on at one eighty five. What about Averett as a uh, 
as a uh, as a defensive back. 185 speed. Yeah, he's solid. That could work. That could work. He's solid. Uh and obviously he's hurt, but Gavin Baxter. Um and then going the other way, I mean, Isaac Rex, we've seen him jump. Yep. Well, we know Thule can dunk. Oh, my he's gosh. It before. How about this? How about Thule dunking the guy in the bowl game? He dunked someone in the bowl <laughs> game on that punt return. Like, as soon as I saw that guy was not calling the fair catch, I'm like, that's a really uh, bad decision. Yeah. You didn't watch a lot of film, did you? Because he's going to be there in a second. He's going to yeah. be there in a second. And Thule, you could just, I mean, obviously you couldn't see his face, but I'm just imagining his eyes like wide up like, did he not call a fair catch? He didn't call a fair catch. I'm not going to hit him and get penalized, am I? Wham! He's like, he's like, I've been waiting for this. I've been preparing for this moment my entire life. That's right. That's I mean, right. the sound on that hit, the sound Oy. on it. I think it was the tweet. I think Thule tweeted this out. Oh, he did. Was it the, was the clip from like six different angles? That The sound on that oh, hit was, was just... Woo! It was beautiful. Um, I would say this. On the football team, switching over, I mean, there's a lot of good athletes on this team right now. Uh, I would say I would like to see what uh, Tonga could do on a basketball court. I'm just kidding. I mean, that'd be pretty awesome, actually, wouldn't it? It would be pretty cool. It'd be pretty cool. Um, I don't know. Who on the football team could switch over? Zach Wilson. Nah. You don't think Zach Wilson can, can play basketball? Uh, at the D1 level? I don't know. Do you, yes. he, what do, I like Pau. As a suggestion. Like Powell is a suggestion. And it's the opposite with some of these offensive linemen. If you thin them out, maybe some of these guys could could play down low. You know? But I like my idea of Isaac Rex. 6'6". Six, what, six. what if we send another Kafusi over there? Oh. <laughs> See how that works out. It always works out. It always works out. Doesn't it? It's, it has worked out before, that's for sure. I mean, Brady Christensen, he's not maybe tall enough to be a big guy. But Jaron Hall, like he's he's just like all around athletic, already a two sport athlete at yeah, the that, Division One level. That seems like a no brainer, right? I feel like that one might work. Don't you think there's a hundred percent chance that Hall can dunk? Right? He's got to be able to dunk a basketball. And sometimes <laughs> I'm surprised about the people who can't. Right. So sometimes I find out so and so can't dunk, and you're like, "Oh, really? Huh. Well, he's only six one. I mean, yeah, but, but come he's got to have pops, right? Come on, the guy's. Yeah, I I know he's, he's got only six one. I, mean, I know he has a great vertical jump. Um, can Mason Wake dunk? I mean, we've seen him hurdle people, but he probably can't dunk. Maybe he can dunk. He's a great athlete, Mason Wake. Yeah, he's a pretty good athlete. So I. I don't know. The one thing, and, and when I look at some of this, like, you know, we've gone back and forth, but, like, when I look at taking, like, Brandon Averett over to football, like, I want to know, kid, does he, like, he's quick enough on a basketball court, but, like, does he have the closing speed to play defensive back across a whole field? We just don't have the data to see it. It's just like sure. we're looking here and we're trying to figure out, like, you know, these guys, could this guy dunk if he, if he lost 40 pounds? You know, I, well, not obviously in Jaron Hall's case, but... um. You know, you look at some of these, you, know, you look at some, you know, some, but some of these offensive linemen are pretty athletic guys like Blake Freeland, who hasn't played a ton this year, but uh, was a quarterback in high school. Yeah, yeah. He, and, and actually, I, I have heard that he can dunk. Um, 
I think I heard that he could dunk. Did I read that somewhere that he could dunk? You just made that up right now. I might now. have. You just made it up right now. Um, I think he could probably. And you know who I think should, could, uh, is Kyle Griffiths, just because I'd want to see what he tweeted. <laughs> That's all I want to see. Uh, let's see. Who else on here? I... He's got a great Twitter game. What about uh, Mandel as a guard? That could work. 6'1", 185. He's fast. I, I mean, I have no idea if he's got handles, right? If he could play guard, but I, I bet you he plays some. could play some mean defense. Um, what about, yeah. like, Sol J? Do you think Sol J could play a little basketball? I don't know. I mean, he's a he's a very good athlete. If he plays, yeah. I bet you. I mean, like you said about Wilson, most of these guys have probably played ball, right? Right. Like that's not a thing that you probably have to really worry about. I mean, most of these guys have at least played through middle school or whatever, and some of them, like you pointed out, have played both sports when they were there. All right, let's move on. We could stand this one forever. No, now I'm now I'm going through and, pr- and picking out who also played basketball in high school. Like Chaz, Chaz IU lettered oh, in basketball. That's who we talked about last I time. Chaz IU, I bet, yeah. would, is a good basketball player. He's a I think we did talk athlete. about this. Yeah. I feel like we did talk about this, but maybe not with this basketball roster. I think it was earlier in the football season. We just talked about football. Oh, and we should have spent more time talking about Caleb Lohner. Oh, gosh. Play, well, playing playing a little bit of the foosball. Uh, I'm telling you right now. I mean, there's been a lot of jokes about the fact that, you know, LeBron could go play tight end in the NFL, which, by the way, I totally think he could. Um, there are not many people that could play both basketball and football at the Division One level. Right, to be just be honest. Right, the, the just the, the skill sets are not completely overlapping, and then obviously the time and effort you have to put in to get to be that good, right? Um, but there are some that, you know, basketball and football doesn't work, right? Because you can't do both. The, the seasons overlap too much, right? We saw Kafusi do it, but he wasn't, I mean, but that's rare. Right, baseball and football are more, way more common uh, to do because the seasons are uh, are off one another, like we have with Hall. All right, so let's talk football now. Uh, Spence, that's at Texas Cook fan, says, and this is a big topic. I know this is gimmicky, but why don't all G five teams band together and create three separate but related conferences where relegation exists, and every year computers decide which teams are in the highest conference. Which are in the middle and which are bottom feeders? Hashtag tweet bag. Um, I'll tell you why, Spence. Because this won't make more money. Yep. That's exactly the reason. And it would destroy the traditional rivalries. Though in the G5, there aren't as many as of those because people have switched conferences quite a bit. But it would hurt that kind of stuff too. And then the travel stuff would be a nightmare. Well, and some of the traditional rivalries, as teams have switched conferences, have been preserved without a conference games, which this could yeah, damage sure. theoretically. I mean, but it's all about execution. You could come up with a way to do this and allow teams to play a game down a tier or whatever. You, know, you could figure out ways to give people exceptions to preserve some of that. But the crux of it is 
I, you'd have to come up with a way to do this that made everybody more money, right? So a couple things that you could think about is, you know, there's today, the the current construct allows one G5 team to get into New Year's Six Bowl, and you know they so there's a payout associated with that, um, you know, so you could say, well, they'll get that payout and then they're going to share it with, you know, there'll be some sharing agreement. But if I'm today in the American conference, I'm not interested in that because no. I, I already, I'm likely going to get that pie. Most years I'm going to get that. I'm going to get that. That's going to belong to my conference. And just have to split conference. it with one conference instead of Exactly. Three. Why yeah. am I going to invite more people to come and eat some of this pizza? Yeah. So it, it I just, you'd have to figure pizza. out a way for it to make more money. And yeah, I, 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 it's the same thing right now. People are talking about a G5 playoff. Competitively, I like the idea. It's just not practical from a financial standpoint. G5 games are not watched nationally very much, even between the top teams. And you can even look at the ratings. Yes, it was on ESPNU, but the BYU game versus Coastal Carolina, you had two undefeated teams late in the season, hardly ever happens, and still we couldn't get 2 million viewers. Right? So I'm just saying, like, you... These ideas, I get why people are having them because the 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 college football playoff was exposed as the college football invitational, right? The F the uh, P five invitational, all that stuff. But in the end, there's a reason the G five has not broken off, formed their own division, all that other stuff is because they're still better off financially sticking with even as the bottom feeders of FBS. They're still better off than what the alternative is right. You don't see a lot of schools going back to FCS though. Maybe a couple of them should Wyoming. I'm looking at you. All right. Um, now we're going to talk about people staying or going on the roster for the next year. We know that Wilcox is gone and a couple other people have indicated stuff, but we got a few questions here. First one is from Sweeney again. Sweeney. You're better that time. Isn't most of the football team coming back next year except for Wilson? Assuming Hall or Conover can be a decent QB, what should we expect from the 2021 team? Yes, he thinks it's Hall or Conover and not Baylor Romney. Here's the thing, guys. I know everyone's saying Hall, Hall, Hall. The guy has played like a game and a half. I'm not exactly sure why we think he's... And he hasn't been healthy in a year. I'm not exactly sure why everybody thinks it's going to be Hall. And I don't I'm think still, it's going to be at all. I, I, listen, if 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 all were to ask my advice, you know we've covered this. I mean, you, you got you can't be too careful with with the concussions, and you know, and, and they're giving him time to do that because there was no reason this year to push it. None. Well, but he had a hip injury this year. It wasn't yeah, even concussions. But I just I, I don't know. Maybe it is Hall. Maybe it is. It could um, be Hall. He has a lot of talent, and he looked good in the limited playing time we saw him last year. But guess who also looked just as good as he did last year? Romney. Romney. So, I mean, everyone's just dismissing Romney because he's not maybe as good of an athlete as Hall is. And a couple of dummies have said, well, he doesn't look good in mop-up duty this year, which, by the way, he has looked good at mop-up duty this year, which that one fries me. Number one, who cares? Because he's doing it with the second string against typically the other team's second string, and I'm not sure how meaningful it is. The playbook's not open to you. I mean, it's just you don't get an evaluation. You don't get an evaluation of a player off of mop-up duty. 
Yeah, but he but he actually played pretty well in mop up duty. Like again, but it's he completed seventy six percent of his passes in mop up duty. That's, that's great, but it's just it, again, I don't just I just don't feel like it's a helpful way to evaluate a player. I completely agree. It is not a helpful way to evaluate a player. But anyway, I think it's Conover. I've been on record as saying that. I think you he's the kind of talent that comes in and gets every chance, and they're going to give multiple quarterbacks looks in the spring, and we'll be talking about this. Um, but I guess Sweeney's bigger point, though, Matt, is is this should we expect this team to be good in 2021? Is this team closer to going to be closer to 2020? Or are they going to be closer to 2019 as far as the quality of the team? They'll be closer to 2019. Uh, I think they're going to be closer to 2020. Oh, I, I, that'd be great. That'd be great if I'm they I'm not are. saying they're going to be 2020. I just think they're going to be closer. to Because they were, call it, the 60th best team in the country in 2019. And they were the, depends on what you look at, call them a top 10 team this year. Call them 10, right? Uh, different ratings have them different spots. Do I think they're going to be closer to 10 or closer to 61? I think they're going to be closer to 10. I think it's going to be really close. I Or maybe they're just splitting the difference. But I don't think they're the 50th best team in the country next year. I think they're top 35. I think they're hovering around they're going to start outranked probably and they're going to hover around the the bottom of the top 25 and if they play their cards right they make it in the top 25 next year and that was not true of the 2019 team so do we know do we i mean are we going to get into this part of the question about who's coming back well let's yeah well well let's talk about that because we got two other questions about this all of my comments to follow up with what you just said are about who's who's coming back and who is so sean who had a question earlier says who looks like they will leave for pro opportunities this year but should stay who is likely to stay but should leave we'll get to wilson here in a second because mike barlow asked a question on wilson but let's talk about this for a second um and then we're gonna move on because we gotta start talking about zach wilson's amazing season but we know right now that we believe that it's Tonga, Wilson, Christensen, Wilcox, and Bushman are all leaving. Bushman didn't play this year, so kind of irrelevant to the conversation we're having, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'm missing somebody. Did I say Christensen? You said Christensen. Am I missing somebody? It's MP. I Did don't we have think a beat we on know. MP? I don't think we know, but I don't think and he's got and a... Kafusi is undecided. Kafusi is undecided. Yes, but I feel better about our linebacker depth, though he would be a big loss. And at least when he was on BYU Sports Nation talking about it, it wasn't necessarily the NFL that was going to pull him away. Well, it no. Like, it, I... might just be, it might just be time for me to go do something else. Well, and, and I don't know that he had a good enough career and season where, I mean, I think he's a rookie free agent type of guy, right? He's mm-hmm. I don't think he gets drafted. So if you look at that and he's and he's got some relatives that have played that game, right? Do you look at that as an attractive option or do you look at to his point something else as an attractive option? Or sticking yeah. around one more year. I, I think he'll get very realistic and helpful advice. Um you know, but he might decide that he's just, you know, that it's just, he's ready to go do something else. I just think there's enough talent for the team to be a top 40 team next year. So maybe they're closer to the 2019 team in the end. But 
I, I think I think they've got a very good shot of being a little bit better than that. Mike, part of my concern is this: is I think you've got one of the best offensive lines as a unit that we've had in a long time, and you're going to lose two or three of the key components of that unit. But what if you only then, lose and one? Then you're also going to be, st- and then you could get a new quarterback who's who hasn't started a game in Division One before. But but what if you only lose one off that offensive line? Like what if you only lose Christensen? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Then, Today, that could be the only loss. If that's true, if that's true, I I feel better about it. But yeah. I just I just don't know that I buy that only one of those guys leaves. Yeah, that's probably fair. Um, the next question is from Mike Barlow off of Facebook. You can of course join the conversation at facebook.com/slash/writeandshout. Mike asks, should Wilson return for his senior year if the probability is high that the Jets would draft him? Yes. I'm just kidding. No, he should not stay. If he's going to be the second there, pick to the Jets, you go. Because here's the deal, guys. He could be the second pick to the Jets this year and not want to play there, or he's going to be the second pick to some other crappy team a year from now. That's just the way that it works. Yeah, but they're right? going like, to fire. They're going to fire their coach, and there'll be a new coach. And you know, I, I've heard, a, seen a lot of things lately about oh, it's where you land and whatever. Uh, do you know that Peyton Manning landed in a pretty terrible spot? Troy Aikman landed in a pretty terrible spot, right? If they if the Jets get a good coach, they have some talent on that team. They could be a 500 team next year with the right coach, right? I, I mean, probably not. But, but, you know, if he's the first or second pick, is Jacksonville some, like, exciting destination? Yeah, I... I... And on the flip side of it, I look at it and I say, if I'm Zach Wilson, your star is not getting any brighter a year from now. You can you can only make your situation worse by coming back and playing another year. Um, you know, like unless you're going to come back and win a Heisman Trophy next year, like you, you're the risk that you're no longer a first round pick. What does next year's draft class look like? Like, what do your stats look like? There's just so many other variables. You strike while the iron's hot and you go. Yeah. And you just you just try to be ready to take advantage of your opportunity. I mean, think about some of those guys you just listed, right? Think about um, think about Peyton Manning goes in, to, you know, the first year did not look great, right? But uh, you know, eventually things kind of worked out for him. You know, Troy Aikman he finally gets a look. You know, you think about Tom Brady going to the Patriots, right? And he's just yeah. sitting there behind Drew Bledsoe. But when an opportunity put, popped up, he took advantage of it. Like you just have to be as prepared as possible to take advantage of whatever the opportunity is that gets laid out in front of you. Yeah, and that's and you just go like I I I don't see a plausible rationale that could would advise to advise Zach Wilson to stay. Yeah, I just I just don't see it. Yeah, I, and here here's the thing: Jacksonville needs a quarterback. The Jets need a quarterback. The Panthers need a quarterback. You can make a very good argument that the Falcons need a quarterback. Um, the Eagles. Are they sold on a on if they if they see a great quarterback are they sold on Jalen Hurts? Uh, I've you know Jerry Jones with say the eighth pick could pick a quarterback. I think San Diego's not. Giants I don't know if they're sold on Daniel Jones. That's your top ten. They at least talk like they are sold on him. But... Yeah, and they may be which which is fair. I think he's played okay. You're talking about seven or eight of those top ten all need a quarterback. There is no way Zach Wilson, Trevor Lawrence, or Justin Fields get anywhere outside of that top 10. 
All three of them are going. And what the order is going to be, it all depends on who likes who. Lawrence will go first, right? But after that, with Fields, and we can argue their merits, but in the end, it just matters which one of these teams like one or the, or the other, right? Um, you know, I'd pick Wilson, but I'm, you know, I'm a little, little, uh, there. Um, well, I think I could objectively argue Wilson over Fields, but. Oh, so could I. Easy. Um, well, Sean Ritchie has a non, um, non next year question. Is it time to stop bashing on Tuiaki? His defenses aren't blitz heavy, but they are really effective in limiting points. Would you rather give up more points per game and look pretty or give up less and look ugly? Hashtag tweet bag, hashtag team Tuiaki. Well, you've been anti-Tuiaki, so you should answer this question first, buddy. No, I, I, I've totally flipped around on this one. You know, and we've talked about this before. I mean, at the end of the day, it's about results. And yes. if you look at what, if you look at adjustments that were made this season in game, like, what were, so classically, classically, what are the things people get on Tuiaki about, right? So he talks about here is pressure on the quarterback. Defenses aren't blitz heavy. Um, you know, he talks about really effective and limiting points. Like people feel like the teams get into the red zone too much. And that's, I feel like that's a little subjective. Um, well, they said you know, the same thing about points or look prettier and look less ugly or whatever. But if you look at, if you, I've run through the schedule this year and I think about some of the things that we saw, I, I feel like he put, I feel like there's pushback on each of these classical points against Tuiaki. And, uh, you know, and, and, and the other thing is, is that just that you can't, you can't argue with the results. Yeah. I mean, people don't like the three man fronts. Right, they don't like it aesthetically. It's not as exciting of a defense to watch as where you've got attacking players. I think though that Tuiaki has shown he will do that if he's got the right personnel. I I feel like Tuiaki's building the defense he believes fits the personnel that he has, and I don't like it aesthetically. I don't. It's it's like if we were running a um, an effective option team i don't enjoy watching the option as much as i do slinging the ball around in the air right uh but if you if it works and you win then you you get used to it and you roll with it right and tuiaki's put together some good defenses i this year you know he did last year was pretty mediocre worse than maybe mediocre um but he's been over the course of the defense has been the better unit almost every year since so, since um, uh, since Satake took over, right? So I, when I ever I hear people, well, you got to fire Tuiaki, I'm just like, they're not firing Tuiaki. The, the more likely scenario is he gets hired to be a DC at a bigger program, which well, is going to floor people when it happens. Well, if you look at if you go to on Football Outsiders, right, where they kind of they're pulling some of this statistical analysis from a couple different places together on teams, you know, and you look at where BYU's defense is ranked. I mean, this is a top twenty defense this year. Yeah, top twenty defense this year, and he had yeah. a couple of years ago had a top forty defense as well. You typically See, don't fire defensive coordinators for that kind of performance. No, I mean, and it was uh, yeah, I just. I don't know. I, I think that, you know, I don't, I don't know what people want. Like people want complete dominance. They want like six sacks a game. I, I'm not sure what people are really looking for here. 
Um, but at the end of the day, like it's you just you're you're there to win football games. Well, and we're going to um, talk about this later on um, in regards to Zach Wilson's season. But the Coastal Carolina game is what everybody points to, and I'll say this. Anybody that thought they were going to hold Coastal Carolina to less than 20 points was not analyzing what was likely to happen in that game. Yeah, you're not paying attention. That's a, a lead offense, top 10, top 15 offense, and this defense was not dominant enough to do that. The offense okay. needed to score more points, and don't tell me the defense put them in bad spots. The offense had opportunities and didn't score more points that that game and that's why BYU lost. Yes, but you it, know what? BYU's odd defense could have held them to zero points and BYU to win. A thank you, Captain Obvious, right? But that wasn't what was likely to happen. Well, and the other thing too is they they had two days to prepare for a tricky for a tricky defense. You know, I I, I don't know how else to say it, but but I mean, you should look at like the point differential of what we were doing. I mean, <sighs> Yeah, I, mean, I just don't. I don't know what. I mean, what what were you really, what were you really hoping for here, right? I mean, I'm trying to pull up what the the differential is. I mean, you can go through the scores, and you can see, you know, I mean, just read down here, like what what we gave up: three points, seven points, fourteen points, twenty, twenty six, fourteen, ten. I mean, we're not giving up a lot of points because a lot of these are are, are touchdowns scored when the games were already out of reach. Yeah. So I, I just. I just I don't know what the complaint is. You know, look what they did again. Look what they did to UCF. Oh, right, a, a, a good offense. I mean, I just not I, an I elite know. one, but a very good one. So, you All know, right. they came out in the second half and shut down Houston. Yeah, um, yeah, great, great second half. Well, let's yeah, hit our I, I, last Zach Wilson, non-Zach Wilson question. Randy Whittle on Facebook says he was surprised on our football awards show that Isaac Rex was never mentioned. Is that possible? That we didn't mention Isaac Rex at all. I'm not going to disagree with it. It must be true if Randy's calling us out on it. Mm, I don't know if I can trust Randy. I'm just kidding. Uh, I know there are a lot of players to recognize after such a amazing season, but you got to give Rex some love. He was a touchdown master and made us all forget about Bushman this year. I don't know if I forgot about Bushman. I kept imagining in my head, imagine you had Bushman and Rex. So I didn't forget about Bushman. Maybe you forget, Randy. I just thought, wow. What it would have been like if you had both of those guys on the field at the same time. Imagine defending that. If Rex stays healthy and plays a couple more years, where do you think he will rank among BYU tight end grades? Who do you think we are that we're going to project in the future? Matt, where would you project him in the future? A guy who's a guy who's good for 40 touchdowns over his career at tight end? Um, yeah, I'd say he's going to rank pretty highly. Like two or three? Probably. If, if he were to continue on this path. Yeah. I mean, we all were hoping he would be half of Bushman. And I think this season was as good as Bushman had been. Is that crazy to say? I think it's true, though. Well, let me just say this to you. Like, so 37 catches for 429 yards and 12 touchdowns. Yes. If Bushman had provided that, would you have been pleased? Um, I would have, I would have thought with the stats that we put up, that was a little bit of an underperformance for Bushman, I guess. So I guess yeah. no. So, so I could, yeah. And I, and I think the same thing. I, I, I think that we would have expected Bushman to have somewhere north of 40 catches. Yeah. Cause he had 40 catches 
He had north of 40 catches both his freshman and junior years. No, I think with the season but they put up. 12 touchdowns. I don't know that I expect Bushman to score more than 12 touchdowns. Yeah, but but that, some of that's some of that's luck, right? He's not – I bet you he doesn't score 12 touchdowns again next year, right? Like he, he benefited from having an elite – a quarterback playing at elite level and two wide receivers playing at elite levels, right? So – Next year, and nobody was game planning for him. Now, the wide receiver part may not change at all, right? He may still be the third or fourth best pass catching option, which is crazy to think about with as good of a season as he had. But he's not going to have Zach Wilson completing, uh, you know, 70 some odd percent of his passes and throwing balls in places where only Rex can catch them. Right. So a little bit of that is, is fluky. I bet you he's more like, six or seven the part that i find really exciting is that maybe grimes finally started to throw to the tight ends in the red zone because <laughs> i just it floors my mind that bushman's going to finish his career at byu with nine touchdown catches it just i don't understand it how that happened um yeah it's pretty crazy yeah so but but bushman would but bushman was covered differently in the red zone Oh yeah, well there because the other weapons weren't out there, right? So yeah, it was, a, it was yeah. a little bit of a different situation. Well, for sure, for sure. Um, interesting. All right. Well, let's talk about Zach Wilson's 2020 season, Matt. So I have ranked all the quarterback seasons of all time. Did it for the Deseret News a few years ago. It's been a few years since I updated it, which I did. But before we get to that, Alex Saunders has a very important question for us regarding Wilson. Speaking of Zach, when he scores on the ground and does that little skip into the end zone, is it because A, that's his signature pose for photos, B, he's afraid that if he steps on the crack, he'll break his mama's back, C, he's afraid of defenders getting his legs, or D, all of the above? I'm going to go with A. I think it's a combination of A and C. Mm, mm. I think it's I think it's like, a, yeah, because I guess you can't tell if the guy's diving for your legs from behind, right? Yeah, and he doesn't want somebody to clip his feet, and he takes yeah, a weird yeah. step. But I think he likes the style of it. I think he does, too. I think he likes the style of it. All right, so let's talk about where his season fits, Matt. So I'm going to give you what I think are the top five seasons. Forget about Zach Wilson's season for, for a second. In the history of BYU football from a quarterback. And people are not going to like my rankings because they didn't like him when I did them the first time. All right. But I've stuck with that group. 1980 McMahon, I think, is the best season in BYU football history. Okay? From a quarterback. 1983, Steve Young. 1996, Steve Sarkeesian. 1989, Detmer. Better season than 1990. I know I won the Heisman, blah, blah, blah. But we're about to see Trevor Lawrence finish like third in the Heisman, and he hardly, and he missed two games, right? Um, so the awards are not how you decide these things, in my opinion. Um, then the 90 Detmer is also in that top five. So other things that I think are in the top 10, 84 Bosco, 2006 Beck, 91 Detmer, 2001 Doman, and, uh, 2008 Max Hall, uh, is my top 10. So, so Matt, the real question is, Zach Wilson is a top 10. Is he a top five? Is he top three? Is he the top dog of all time? So do you agree He's this season is definitely top 10? 
Yes. Okay, let's go let's go through the list. 2008 Max Hall or 2020 Zach Wilson? Mm. It's easy. Just just make the call, dude. All right, fine. Just I'm taking it. Wilson. Let me let me give you a few reasons why. 35 to, touchdown passes for Hall, 33 for Zach Wilson. You might say, "Oh, that that uh that that uh is on Hall's side." Three interceptions for Wilson. 14 for Hall. And Hall, by the way, 115 rushing yards, including a bunch of sacks, uh, to Wilson's 254. Hall was a better runner than I think I remembered. You know, uh, I mean, he wasn't Hall, elite, Hall, but Hall could he could get after it. it on his feet yeah. if he needed to. If he needed to, I mean, he didn't look to do it, and obviously they didn't have him go score touchdowns. All right, 2001 Doman. Uh, let's see, I've got I. Uh, that one's in my like football black hole, right? Because I I didn't oh, right. watch yeah, that it's, season. It's Zach Wilson. So I'm taking I'm taking Wilson. All right, 2006 Beck. It's a very comparable season in a lot of ways, but I'll break down here in a minute the big differences. Yeah, that that's this is where this gets tough for me. Yeah, it's a tough one. Because um, I, I they are pretty close. I'm gonna go ahead and take Zach. Yeah. I'm going to give Zach the edge on. This. I'm going to give go, Zach what, the what edge. Do you, what do you What do you have? Uh, more than a yard and a half more per attempt. It's that deep ball stuff, right? That is just a at a different level than um, than where you'd be at. Now, to be fair, obviously, if you're looking at strength of schedule, that 2006 team had a tougher schedule than the uh, than the 2020 team. That's just, I think factually true uh but it's not as big of a difference as you think it is right it's not as big of a difference as you think it is um because that 2006 now actually it's pretty similar when you look at it there it's a little tougher in 26 as 2006 um but it's not as big as you think so i'm going to definitely go with wilson on that one I mean, they played four ranked teams to end the year, but a couple of those teams did not finish ranked. Well, and we've done this before, right? Where we where we compared some of these schedules, and and I I, I think this is a I think the twenty twenty schedules gets a little unfairly maligned. Yeah. In if you really think about the comparison here, and you look at how good some of those teams were when we played them, so yeah, I'm not ready to give up that edge because of scheduling. Yeah, eighty four Bosco. Now the big thing going for Bosco was he's undefeated, had some incredible games in the in the toughest games of the year. I'm still going to go with Zach Wilson. Just statistically, it's way better. Okay, maybe statistically we have to admit that it's better, but like Bosco's playing through injury and like all this stuff. Doesn't I, matter. Can't give him credit for being hurt. You can give him credit for grit. Yeah, but Wilson Wilson's got grit. He played all last year injured. I no, listen. I believe Wilson has grit, but he did he he didn't have an opportunity to demonstrate it on quite the same scale. I don't. All right. So eighty nine. Wilson's and, a tough kid. Don't get me wrong. I I, I buy it. But eighty nine and ninety Detmer. This is where I think things start to get really interesting. Eighty nine Detmer and two thousand twenty Zach Wilson throwing the football were very similar. The differences to me are, I mean, obviously you got the era differences, right? And you've got some other things. But the differences to me is, I think 89's better. I think 
I think Wilson's season is better than the Heisman Trophy winning campaign of 90. But the big difference is this, and let's get to it. Um, And this comes from Justin Whiting and then one from Dr. Nick. So Justin Whiting says, I watched a fair bit of the 1990 BYU-Miami game the other day. Am I crazy to think that Wilson is better right now than Detmer was as a junior? Hashtag tweet bag, hashtag recency bias. Before we get to Nick's longer question, is it crazy to think that Zach Wilson 2020 is better than Ty Detmer 1990? No. It's not crazy. Now, I can see the arguments both ways, and Nick's going to make one of those right now. Here's what Dr. Nick says. I think it's pretty clear that Zach Wilson just had the best statistical season for a BYU QB ever. We'll get to that in a second. But he says best efficiency rating, best completion percentage, second best yards per attempt, lowest interception rate, second highest TD rate, all these awesome stats. But he couldn't quite pull off the special season in the class of Sarkeesian in 96. We'll get to that second. Detmer in 90 because he beat Miami. Bosco in 84, Young in 83. I actually think it's pretty comparable to Young in 83 uh, as far as the the team accolades. Or McMahon in 1980. He also lacked that iconic moment like McMahon in the Miracle Bowl, Detmer beating Miami, or even back to Harleen to beat Utah. How should those things count against him? Wilson did have the worst game of the season in BYU's biggest game of the year at Coastal Carolina. So Matt, how do you weigh those things, right? So statistically, I think Nick is right. It's either the best or if you kind of factor in strength of schedule and a few things, maybe it's second best statistically to McMahon's 80, depending on how you want to look at it. But how do you factor in those other pieces? Like in 1990, uh, Detmer won the Heisman and beat Miami. And in 89, he basically won the Heisman in 89, right? By having such an amazing sophomore season that put him in that conversation to be in the Heisman Trophy race in 1990. How do you weigh that stuff? I don't know. That, that's tough, right? And like another one here, you've got to think about like what was happening in college football when McMahon was playing in 1980 and rewrote the record book, right? Yep. Is there was a shift of what was of what teams were doing offensively and partially led out of Provo. And uh, so, so that you know, makes, that's part of what makes the legend of Jim McMahon, um, you know, and, and when you look at Zach Wilson's schedule this year, you look at the teams and the scores of games this year, like he didn't need to do like, he didn't have to come back from behind with stitches in his chin or get, get carried from the lineman from line of scrimmage to line of scrimmage or, you know, or, uh, shoot pistols at Kansas state, uh, in the cotton bowl. Like he didn't have to do any of these things. Cause in most of these games, he was just, they were just up by so many points. Yeah. Um, so, you know, had that, you know, with one more yard against Coastal, is that the icon, iconic moment um, that he needs? Uh, you know, may, I don't know, maybe, um, depending on what that what that does, what that create, what type of opportunity that creates for the team. But how do you weigh these things? I, I don't know. I, I don't know that you can really count against him that he doesn't have one of those signature moments. I mean, it's it's like, you know, Dan Marino is one of the greatest college college one of the greatest NFL quarterbacks of all time doesn't have a Super Bowl ring right um but he's still I mean he's still one of the he's still one of the greats yeah um well I mean so I think that I don't know I you can't punish him for that I think that McMahon 81 is a good 
corollary, all right? They lose the opening scene in ex- opening game inexplicably to New Mexico. All right? It's a terrible loss. And so don't you have to give McMahon some blame for the terrible loss to a 4 and 7 barely top 100 team? Yeah, I think that's fair. Right? And McMahon did not have a good game. So I I mean, you look at that and you say, "Okay, um but then, then they destroyed people the rest of the season, right? Very few close games. And it was very similar to this year. McMahon was coming out of the game, right? And the subs were coming in. So his stats could have even, what's crazy, even been better had they not been as dominant a team as they were. I mean, they beat UTEP 83-7. to Right. Okay. Um, McMahon benefits from the fact that that they had a better bowl matchup. SMU was probably a better team, relatively speaking, in 1980 than UCF was this year. Uh, Actually, I think that's probably not even debatable. I think they were a top 20 team that just happened to get beat by other top 15 teams uh, during the year. So he, he didn't get as good of a bowl matchup. And the other part is he didn't have the, he didn't have to win it at the end. Right. I mean, we were like two minutes away from losing that game. Oh, yeah. I mean, we should and, have lost that game. I mean, SMU makes just one more play, and there is no Miracle Bowl, right? Just one yeah, more so play. I, right. So I I think he does lack that moment. I think you can hold it against him just because that's just life, and he just didn't get that opportunity, and Coastal Carolina could have been his thing. So, well, let's get back to that here in a second. So, do you put do you put 2020 Zach Wilson over 1990 or 1989 Ty Detmer? Some people are going to have Ty Detmer's 1990 as the top one because he won the Heisman. I do not. But do you put it over either of those seasons? I put it over 89, I think, but behind 90. I uh, see. For me, it'd be the opposite. But, I think but, see, way but if I were if if you told me I had to rank it a different way, I would probably flip the two Detmer seasons. Yeah, I, that's just that, and I that's and it's super subjective, right? If that's the way I'm talking about it. But um, this is, but do I believe this is one of the top two, two or three quarterback seasons in BYU football history? Yeah, it is. Okay, so I'll, I'll give you some arguments against 1990 Detmer, 28 interceptions. And he was, he can't run. And Zach Wilson was a significant factor running the football. How many, I mean, what did he have? 10 touchdowns on the ground? 10 touchdowns, 254 yards. That's insane. Detmer took a lot of sacks. Well, that's 254. That's net yards. That's net. That's That's after you take out sacks. Yeah. yeah. Right. So it's more like it's, but he didn't get sacked that much. I think I did the math earlier. I don't have it in front of me. It's like 300 something. But all the quarterbacks that we're comparing against all have the sacks in there. Uh, what about 96 Sarkeesian? Great corollary, by the way. They're very similar st- seasons statistically. I feel like that's number four. I think you got your two Detmer seasons, Wilson and Sarkeesian. Not 80. McMahon, you're insane. It's 96. I can't help myself. You're insane. 80 McMahon set every record in college football. I, you're nuts. Eighty McMahon is the season that all others should be defined against, in my opinion. Um, 
I'll put it this way. I think right now, and here's the other one that throws everybody off, is the Steve Young in 83, 71% completion percentage was the BYU record until Zach Wilson this year. 444 yards rushing, uh, nine yards per attempt, uh, only 10 interceptions. And again, he got pulled a lot in that season, like Wilson did, right? And McMahon did, because they were beating teams up badly. Um, but here's, as Dr. Nick said, he this is statistically probably the best season in history. I mean, it's a little hard if, it's a little hard to gauge because of errors and stuff. But this is an amazing, it was an amazing season. And I think it's a top three season, depending on how you want to put it. Like you said, we just well, disagree then- on what the top three are. Yeah, and, and we've argued about this before, right? And I think mm-hmm. I've and I think I've flip flopped as we've talked about this over the years, right? So, so people want to say that Detmer's got to be that be- that's got to be the best season because of the Heisman. I think the McMahon. I think historically I've rated the McMahon season pretty high because of what you talked about him redoing the record book. Um, some of that is just a function of where we were in the history of college football at the time. But I mean, it was an amazing season, so I don't want to take anything away from it. He should have won the Heisman in 1980. Yes, he was the best player in college football, and Steve Young should have won the Heisman in 1983, right? So so to me, using the Heisman as your measuring stick is dumb. The award's going to be dumb this year. It's dumb most years. They don't even – the fact that Wilson isn't in the top five is insane to me, right? Like it doesn't even make any sense. Like he has a better season than Trevor Lawrence. Uh, is there any debating that? Lawrence missed two games. He missed. They had only two really hard games on the schedule, and it was both Notre Dame, and he missed one of them. Right. So, if you're going to ding Wilson for not having his moment, where was Lawrence's moment until the Notre Dame, the second Notre Dame game? Right. And yeah, he got COVID. That stinks. But that's the them's them's the breaks. Right? Them's the breaks. Right. I mean, that's just the way that it works. I mean, to me, I don't know that I'd give the Heisman to Wilson this year. I think I'm probably giving it to to Mac Jones or or Trask because they just played tougher schedules and had similarly awesome statistical ears. Um, but I'm not giving it to Fields over Wilson. Are you? Played freaking oh, no. six games, and I'm not giving to Lawrence over Wilson. I mean. Wilson was an advanced statistics, the second or third best quarterback, depending on what metric you want to use this year. Anyway, all right, I'll get off my soapbox. Yeah, I don't know. I I could almost just even as we talk about this, like I could almost change my whole ranking. But I I think that any any way I go through this, Zach Wilson season is in the top three. Yeah, I think it's a right. Top is three it season? Is it? Uh, you know, that's is it is it is it one of those Detmer seasons? Wilson and Young, right? Like, do I? I don't know. I mean, in 1990, Detmer threw for 41 touchdowns. I know. You know, 41 touchdowns, but 28 interceptions, dude. 28. That's tough. No BYU quarterback has ever thrown that many interceptions. I mean, and and that's one of the things that I think pushes Wilson up in here. And we talked about his feet a little bit, but the interception. Three interceptions. It's insane. His TD to interception ratio is the best that anybody's ever had. It's 11. All right. The next best one is 1997 Golden GIF. Right. Um, He had 16 to 3. Right. 
I mean, it's not even close. Um, Steve Young was pretty good in that regard. Beck was good at not turning the ball over. Doman had a good year that year in 2001 not turning the ball over. But we've never seen anything like Wilson. Now, again, some of these teams had tougher defenses to play than he did. But if you go back, like we've said, it's actually more comparable than you think on the strength of schedule uh, because we've all bought into the narrative too much. So Spencer, Spencer yeah, Thomas, go ahead. Can we come back and we should come back and do a whole segment on this again? Well, we're going like, to do I, career. We're going to come okay. back and do a career at another point off season or in a few weeks. I don't know. We'll come back. We'll come back and do the whole thing. Um, all right. Spencer Thomas asked, why hasn't Zach been named to an all American team? Am I missing something? Uh, I, I mean, like I said, I, I see people making him the third quarterback. Yes, could he be named to some third-team All-American stuff that's out there? Sure. But, I, I mean, they load him up with P5s. You have to you have to be something else to get in. I mean, the fact that Christensen got in on some of these lists, a first or second team All-American at tackle, is pretty remarkable. Uh, Wilson also had the, the unfortunate deal that he had two really— Mac Jones and Trask have had amazing seasons. I mean, Trask probably wins the Heisman if he if Florida had any kind of defense, which is silly, right? I think Trask should win the Heisman. I think he was the best quarterback. It's funny because you look. I think if you look at Trask, Jones, if you look at either of them and you stack them against certain classes, they're head and shoulders. They would be head and shoulders above and would run away with the Heisman. I mean, Danny. I mean, yep. maybe it's it's karma coming back to Danny Werfel not deserving the Heisman and, and Trask won't get it and Mac Jones will. I don't know. We'll see. All right. Well, we've got to pick some bowl games here and we're already over an hour, but we're going to keep going and pick some bowl games, man. Let's do it. Let's pick some bowl games, I guess. So we'll pick the rest of them. We'll pick the rest of the bowl games at this point. Uh, starting with tomorrow, Wednesday, December 30th, the morning game is the Duke's Mayo Bowl. Oh my gosh! Is that like mayonnaise? Is that what we're doing now? I don't know. I don't know where that. Is. I don't even know where that game is. It's four and four Wake Forest and three and three Wisconsin. Who cares? Why is this even on television? Wisconsin is favored by nine and a half points. Um, I'm going with the Badgers. Yeah, I'm taking Wisconsin because you know people are worried that teams from the Big Ten can't handle SEC speed. Do you know who else can't? Wake Forest. Wake Forest cannot. Uh, by the way, uh, I will 0% chance I watch any of this game. I won't watch any yeah, of this game. What time is that game on again? 11 a.m. You won't even yeah, be out of not... bed yet. I'm just kidding. You're always out of bed before then. Uh, the first really good bowl matchup of the year is number six. And I'm just kidding, by the way. I thought Liberty and Coastal Carolina was pretty good. Um, number six, Oklahoma against number seven Florida in the Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic. Of course, Florida is favored by four and a half, and I'm going to shock you, Matt. I'm going with the Sooners. You want to know why? This Florida defense couldn't stop your local Texas high school team. <laughs> Yikes. Actually, that could be true where I live. But um, the, uh, Shootout. I'm predicting a shootout. Yeah, I think you're right. I think Oklahoma wins in a shootout. I think that favors Oklahoma. Yeah, and a hundred percent chance I watched some of that game. Yeah. I'll, oh, yeah. That's gonna be a good game. All right. On New Year's Eve, we start with the armed 
a Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl. Um, and it's we're matching up six and two Tulsa and three and seven Mississippi State. <laughs> Tulsa's favored by two and a half. I think they win by more than that. I'm going with Tulsa. Hey, you know who else can't handle SEC speed? Mississippi, Mississippi State. State. Yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, it, it's a lot funnier when I say it about an actual SEC team, but the yeah. point is still the same. Tulsa wins this game. Yeah. Um, I would say Tulsa wins, and not much chance I see any of that game. Not zero, but not high. I feel like we have plans while that's going on. I, I don't know. I could be yeah. wrong. It might uh, just be an app. The, um, what is it? Offer pad? Arizona Bowl? Is that a thing? I don't know what that is. Notepad? 7-0 San Jose State against 6-1 Ball State. The Spartans are favored by 9.5. I like San Jose State in this one, and 0% chance. uh, Not 0. Very low. 5% chance I see in this game. Isn't this called the That's Not a State Bowl? Ball and San Jose, neither of those are states. Well, and it's not in Arizona either, is it? I don't even know anymore. I think it's in Texas. I know neither of those schools are in Arizona. Yeah, yeah. I'm taking San Jose State here. I think San Jose State actually, uh, they've, they've put together a pretty good season. Yeah. Uh, later that afternoon, the AutoZone Liberty Bowl, 9-2 and two Army, 5-4 and four West Virginia. Uh, West Virginia is favored by... I'm sorry. I'm seven. sorry. What? That game's not getting played. Is that game getting oh, played? that's right. That got canceled, didn't it? But I see a line no. here for it. No, no, it's not. It didn't get canceled. They their other bowl game got canceled. They got moved into this one, and oh, the BYU news. fans were were whining that it would be better to play a five and four West Virginia team. Well, there you go. Which it isn't. Uh, I'm going with uh, with uh, West Virginia in this one. Yes, and I'm not bitter against the Army AD or their program. I'm over that. That was yeah. feels like that was a long time. I feel like McCann still tweeting about it is weird. Just let it go, dude. It was let a it long go. time ago. Go, that was like that was way that yeah. was months ago. Yeah. Uh and there's a decent shot, twenty percent that I see some of that game. It's yeah, I'll watch some day. of that game most likely. It's a little bit later. All right. On New Year's Day, we start off with the Chick fil A Peach Bowl. Mmm, Chick fil A. Um it's seven and two Georgia, ranked number nine, nine and zero. Oh, Cincinnati should be in the playoffs. Cincinnati's favored by seven, even though it's an SEC team. I'm going with the Benteruns. Um, you know, this is going to be Bulldogs. Oh, you, you hate the G5. You hate them? And 100% chance I see at least some of that game. I'm a little worried that Cincinnati's overrated. What? Did I say that out loud? Oh, you're the worst. You hate, you hate, you love the P5. You're in love with the P5. No, listen, no, Georgia's a pretty good football team. Like, let's not forget that. Um, and uh, let me, it's, let's back off of my overrated comment on Cincinnati because that's not exactly what I mean. I, I think the problem here is people are forgetting the fact that Georgia is a decent football team. Yeah. Well, let's talk about another decent, uh, and are you going to watch some of that game? Yeah, I'll watch some of that game. Um, the next one is the vacation rental by owner Citrus Bowl. VRBO now a publicly traded company, uh, six and four Auburn versus number fourteen six and two Northwestern. Fascinating one. Northwestern is favored by three and a half. Um, I'm taking Auburn. I, I'm now t- flipping, yes. and I think Auburn's going to win this game. I actually believe Northwestern is overrated. 
Yeah, like I, think I don't really think that about Cincinnati. That's not that wasn't my point. Don't at me with that Cincinnati comment. But this Northwestern team, I think, is a little overrated just because this this we don't have enough data on most a lot of the on how on good some of the big teams. team teams are. Yeah. We well, just they, don't know. They didn't play anybody out of conference, and they didn't play enough games in the conference, right, to give us a good feel. Um, there's a hundred percent chance I watch some of this game, but only because it's happening at the same time as the Chick Fil A Bowl. If this game was happening at a different time, it'd be very low for me, less than 50% that I'd watch any of that. Don't I will say on both of these games, it's likely that I am dining outside at a restaurant watching these on a television as it is my son's 16th birthday Woo-hoo! on January 1st. And he has asked that we do our, quote, family celebration during the day because he thinks he's got big time plans for the evening, you see. Oh, with... On like a date or with just friends? Yeah, that, they don't. That's not what they do now. They don't. It's, it's just. It's not what they do. But yeah, with a group of friends to go do something for his birthday. Hmm. Because we don't rate the evening hours. You see, the family. Uh, yes, yes, you do we're, not. We're, we're the JB not time gonna, slot. We're, we're not, not prime gonna, time. You're we're not, not prime, prime time. time. That's true. Um, so then the three o'clock game, of course, is the first playoff game, the Rose Bowl game presented by Capital One that happens to be in Texas. Um, Makes Al- sense. Alabama versus like Notre Dame. Movie. Yeah, that's right. Alabama is favored by twenty points. It's at both the same time a realistic and ridiculous line. <laughs> uh, and you know, one hundred percent chance I see this game, and one hundred percent chance that Alabama destroys them. I will watch right? this game. Alabama will win it. But let me ask you this question. Yeah, yeah. If we swap Notre Dame out for Cincinnati here, would the spread be any different? No, it'd be the same. Then why didn't we just put Cincinnati in? Like, be- why don't just put them in? Like, if they've got just as good a chance of beating Alabama, then just slide them on in. I actually think I, they I, have a slight – I think they have a better chance because I think I they wonder, have a more explosive really offense. What would the spread be? I, I think would this grounded pound – I think this ground and pound thing is not a great matchup. I think it plays into Alabama's defense is not great this year, but the the problem is nobody's can. Cons- I I just don't think very many people are going to be able to score with Bama and keep up with them, right? So I I think Clemson is your hope, right? That they can just score with them and it's who's got the ball at the end. Um, the of course the other game is the Sugar Bowl. Clemson and Ohio State, who also shouldn't be in the playoff. Well, they should. I mean, Notre Dame in the playoff doesn't bother me. Ohio State in the playoff bothers me. Clemson's a seven and a half point favorite. I don't think it's that close. I think Clemson wins by more. Yeah, I take the I take Clemson to cover here. So but that's I just kind of depressing. I, it my both mind. those games aren't close. I, it just boggles my mind that we could have theoretically we could have a national champion who only played eight games. Uh, like, why is that okay? That yeah, makes no sense. Okay. That, well, that shouldn't yeah, be look, there. Should be Sweeney Cincinnati. has been hilarious on this, by the way. Well, he's the only... He sh- they should be ranked 11th. Like, I-, I can't even believe he has to defend that. Why well, does he have to defend quote about, that? like, what, the film study will be pretty quick. There's only six games to watch. <laughs> but I don't understand why he has to defend that. They don't belong in the top 10. They didn't play it's enough actually games. A popular, it's a very popular opinion. So why anybody is shocked at or wants to push him on it, that's the part that's surprising to me is it's it's a pretty commonly held opinion, I think. Well, outs- a lot of people yeah. feel that way. Yeah, yeah. Outside of the college football playoff committee. I you know, I think even inside the college football playoff committee, there is no way that that group of people to a man would say, 
yeah, yeah, for sure. Like what we've done here makes absolute sense. These are the four best teams in the country. There is, there's just no way. Yeah. Like, and, and I would assume that even inside of that group, they didn't all like when they wrote out their first list, they didn't all put these top four in it. They had to you know, sit there and talk about it and come to whatever, however they come to a consensus. Yeah, but by the end, they probably did though. I, I'll only yeah, say that because they seem pretty consistent the last few weeks. Yeah, garbage. Consistent garbage. garbage. Yeah. All right. Inexplicably, they're still bowl games after the playoff on January As, as if we couldn't make these games feel any less meaningful, That's we're right. going to play a couple of them after we've determined who's going to the national championship. That's All right. right, so what's so what's on the slate next? Tax Slayer, Gator Bowl, 8-3, NC State, 4-6, and six, Kentucky. Um, you, uh, Kentucky is favored by 2.5. Who cares? I'm taking, I'm taking NC State just for the heck of it, and I will not watch any of this handle game. Handle SEC speed, Kentucky. That's right. That's right. And I won't watch any of that game. Um, later that day is four and five Old Miss and six and one Indiana in the Outback Bowl. Um, IU is favored by eight. I think they win, but by less than that. And I will not watch any of this game, Matt. You know who can't handle SEC speed? Indiana. <laughs> You're taking Old Miss. IU sucks. I'm taking Old Miss. All right. I thought you might. Uh, then the PlayStation Fiesta Bowl. Four and two Oregon, who shouldn't be anywhere near a premier bowl game, and a bowl eight, game eight and three Iowa games. State. What is this? Well, not only not only that, they they shouldn't have even been in their conference championship game. We got to squeak army into a matchup like with with you know, on last minute notice because somebody else canceled, yeah. right? When when you had a two win team playing one of the first games, and here comes Oregon. Okay, yeah. cool. Cyclones favored by four. I'm actually, despite all that we just said, I'm going with the Ducks. <laughs> oh, no way. Iowa State covers. Yeah, all right. All right. I'm going they with the Ducks. They win by at least seven. I'm going Iowa with the... State's not a bad football team. Like They're not I, a bad football team. I, I, I actually am not even sure they to the that playoff over. or anything, but that's a pretty good football team. I think yeah. they're better than Oregon this year, but we'll see. We'll see. Uh, 50% chance I see some of that game. And then the nightcap is, of course, the Capital One Orange Bowl, 8-1 and one, Texas A&M, 8-3 North Carolina. Actually, a pretty good matchup. Wish it was on New Year's Day uh, and not the day after. Uh, the Aggies are favored by 7.5. And, and I like North Carolina to cover but lose. Yeah, I'm also taking the Aggies in this one. And 100% chance I see at least some of that game. Yeah, I like I'll that watch. matchup. That one's, a, that one's kind of a fun matchup. All right, Matt, those are the bowls, and next week we'll be back and we can talk about some college football playoff shenanigans. What what would it be like if Notre Dame and uh, Notre Dame and Clemson meet for the third time? Man. So exciting. No, it's totally lame, right? Super lame. It's super lame. I, 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 that just it would just be like the gross icing on this gross cake, right? Like, what, why do we have like this? We finally, for years, for years, we all pined for a college football playoff at the top level of college football, and then this year is like, oh, they're gonna pull, we're gonna get college football even with everything that's going on, and then they're gonna hand us this sandwich. I mean, this is ridiculous. Yeah, I'm just telling you right this now. This is ridiculous. If you use the college football playoff rankings, not the way I would do the playoff, but if you did it that way, you'd have Bama and BYU, Clemson and Iowa, Ohio State and North Carolina, Notre Dame and Coastal Carolina, Texas A&M and Indiana, Oklahoma and Iowa State, Florida and Georgia. No, I missed one up there because I missed Northwestern. They shouldn't even be in there. Anyway, 
the point is you'd have a bunch of really cool games and not likely to get Clemson and Notre Dame in the final, right? Just by chance. Um, be way more exciting. Right? Yeah, this, yeah, this is just... This is just silly. It's just silly. Well, this has been one of I'll our longer shows. Them. I'm gonna. They're gonna. They get my money. You're not gonna like with Brady Papinga pushing the boycott. You're not gonna boycott it. Can't help myself. I can't either. But I'll tell you what. I think the ratings are gonna be low on New Year's Day. It's a Friday night. Um, I think it'll be low. And I think the other piece is. I think people. I think the casual fan is losing interest in college football. I think it feels rigged, and I think people are losing interest if you're not a passionate big-time fan. I agree with that. I think they listen to the pundits who are saying that, and they feel that way and say it's the same four teams every year. Who cares? It's the same reason why the Patriots or the Yankees or whomever being good all the time is both good and bad for the sport, right? It's good because everybody needs a villain, but at some point it becomes... Just I don't want to see them anymore, right? You either die a hero or live long live long enough to see yourself become the villain. That's right. But this is what killed. This is what eventually killed the BCS and every other permutation of this before that, is that people got sick of it because they felt like it was the the DAC was stacked. The DAC was stacked. The DAC was stacked. The DAC was stacked or whatever the phrase is. The DAC was stacked. And so they had to move on. They had to they had to mutate. They had to evolve. Well, I, so that's, maybe that's what happens here. I don't know. I think within a couple of years, you see at least an eighteen playoff. Because do I? I don't believe that the outcome of the games are rigged, but the opportunities are certainly rigged. Oh yeah, the the games are fair. I, I don't. I mean, yes, there's some bad refing now and again, and that happens. And Pac-12 refs are the worst, but it's not that the game outcomes are rigged. It's that the system's rigged, right? Everybody says, I mean, that whole thing we talked about a few weeks ago that what's this idiot was talking about that it should be decided by the recruiting rankings. Which is, I don't even know that Coward actually believes that. I don't know that he believes it either, but I've heard a lot of people say, well, Alabama's obviously the best team. They send the most people to the NFL. No, 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 no. Prove it on the field. Play the best teams, and then you get to say that. You can't just play your own conference and say, well, we're the best conference. Well, this year, the SEC didn't allow them to play anyone else, right? So are they the best conference? Probably. But I don't think this was the SEC's best year. Had the Big Ten played a full year, the ACC was better. Granted, they it's because they had a Notre Dame. Um, and there were a couple of G5 conferences. The American was pretty decent this year, Right. I, even the Sun Belt probably had their best year ever, right? So you yeah, look at that probably. and you say, even the playing field by giving a playoff where every conference champ gets in. And guess what happens to those recruiting rankings? They totally change. Imagine if the a the best American team gets into the playoff every year. You're going to have a few of these five-star guys, more likely four-star guys, who look at some of these G5 schools and go, you know what? I don't know if I want to go and compete against another a bunch of other four or five star guys for playing time. But right now you do it because you think it's your only path to the NFL and a chance to have college football glory. And that's true. Not the NFL piece, but the college football glory piece. It's very hard if you're a quarterback to go win a Heisman any place but a P5. Oh, actually impossible, right? 
Um, so right. And if you want to compete for, and if you want to have a legit shot at winning a national championship, and you're from Ohio, and you're trying to decide, do I go to Ohio State or to Cincinnati? Oh, you go like, to you're going to Ohio State. Like, well, you're not even going to ask yourself that question. But but if but in the situation you just described, maybe you pick Cincinnati because you think, well, I'm going to be a starter there as a sophomore, and uh, we, we could compete. Well, if you're a four or five star guy, you're a starter there the I'm day start right one. Away. I might start right the day I show up on campus. Yeah, I, and maybe it's closer to my house. I don't know. Like, I, I it absolutely changes the calculus. Yeah, and again, it wouldn't even things completely out by any stretch. I'm not a moron, but it would change like it does in basketball when you can have a Gonzaga outside of the P5 because they can go build their thing and get some top recruits. Now, Gonzaga didn't used to, but they do now, right? Get some top recruits and then go find some other guys to compliment them. And again, it's basketball, football. It's it's very different. It's easier to build a roster in basketball because you got fewer guys. But there is... There's an element of this that the P5 and the powers that be clearly are not going to give that up. Clearly. So anyway, well, we're an hour and 20 minutes into this marathon of a show. Uh, But hey, it's vacation week. Probably most of you are either not working or if you are working, you're kind of dogging at work and listening to the podcast. Losers. You shouldn't dog it at work. Um, You never dog it at work? You have some co-workers who listen to this podcast so you can't say, say i also anything. can't say it because it wouldn't be true oh boy oh boy Ugh. yeah i just threw up in my mouth a little bit um well good for you for never dogging at work me either to good ex- for you today i didn't dog it at work at all you want to know why because i was on vacation so i was on vacation and i still worked Oh my gosh, you're such an American hero. We think you're also great. I <laughs> think you're also great. Good job there, corporate guy. Oh, sometimes I want to punch myself in the face. Yeah, sometimes All I right. want to punch you in the face. Well, thanks everybody for downloading and listening. We will be back next week. If you want to support the show, you can do that at patreon.com slash rise and shout to become a patron. Uh, thank you. Tell your friends, tell your neighbors, and we'll catch you next time. Go Cougars. Go Cougars.